Hello, I'm Daphne Ashbrook, and welcome to Doctor Whose Line Is It? Anyway, where everything's made up and neither script nor canon matters. Listeners, and welcome to another exciting episode of Doctor Who's Line, is it? Anyway, this is a slightly different episode. Obviously, we've still got our problems with the, the core episodes, the, what we're all about, the improvisational stuff. That's going to last for a, a, at least a couple of months more, possibly longer, because of the issues involved. So we thought, what could we do to come up with something else to uh, to keep you entertained and amused in the interim. Obviously, you can go back and visit our previous episodes, but uh, what about something new? So we thought we'd actually get down to some traditional podcasting, basically. So we've had a conversation. Uh, this is Suki, Robin, and myself, and we thought we'd talk about what could we talk about? don't want to just go down and talk about the same stuff that all the other podcasts have talked about over the years but we did think well there's a reason for this conversation so why don't we talk about the animated episodes so that's what we did and here it is audios audio episodes then oh, audio episodes <laughs> animated yeah. episodes so what do we all what do we all think of the various uh, animated episodes that have that have come out thus far well, how, how many of you see? Because to be honest, I've only seen the Power of the Daleks and the other one that just come out. Macroterra. Oh, Macroterra. Macroterra. That was the only two that I've actually seen. So you haven't seen any of the partially re- um, animated ones, then? Things like the Invasion. No. Uh, the Tenth Planet. No, the Ice Warriors. No, none of those. No, no, not seen any of them. I've got the DVDs, and I says I'll sit down one day and watch them. Right. But that day hasn't happened yet. It hasn't happened, <laughs> right? And it's only through uh, the podcast, yeah, of course, through, yeah. yeah, that I'm actually watching some of the stuff that I've got lying around. And Macro Terror was the one that I ended up watching. Power of the Daleks. Well, obviously everybody wanted. Power everybody of the wanted Power of the Daleks. Yeah. Right, so that's what I ended up watching that stuff. Yeah. Okay. The two that I've seen, I've really enjoyed them, but uh, it's just not as good. As watching the actual live action thing. Well, it, it will never, it will never be. Well, I say it will never be as good. I mean, the thing is with the animated stories um, that you can do things that the budget wouldn't allow um, in an in a, a standard episode. So, with Macro Terror, for example, you've got um, there's a bit with the Macro is 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 dangling Polly from a claw, isn't it? Which Yes. Obviously, you could never do uh, on TV, so that was never going to happen. I know what you're saying, but it has to fit in with the soundtracks. Oh, I I agree. Right. I agree. Yeah. It should do. Yeah. And, and obviously, what what Macro Terra did was um, they. I don't think they expanded on any bits, but they they uh, they cut bits no, out they of. Cut, they cut. They cut the the, uh, the Troughton scene, didn't they? Where he's yeah. he goes into the machine and it it tidies him up, and then he wants it himself to be dishevelled again. Yeah. which there was something of an outcry about because 
you know, it doesn't then represent the actual episode in full. No, but the only the, the reason that they did it apparently was because because of the change of clothes yeah. that was involved for them to then animate that tiny scene the costs were so prohibitive on it that they thought well it's only a tiny scene we won't bother, bother about it no. I mean Robin how many have you seen? I haven't seen that many I saw um, I saw bits of Macrotera I didn't get to see all of it and I've seen um, Power of the Daleks I actually have that one and of course what's the one that we just did a little while ago Mission the one that we just did, Mission to the Unknown. Yes, this Mission is Mission to the Unknown. This is this is a this is a um, a not a spoiler alert, but this is a, a news a news event, an upcoming episode hey. that we've got. Uh, <laughs> the one episode that we've actually got currently that we can we can show. We're aiming to do this for our Christmas episode. We're aiming to do Mission to the Unknown for the Christmas episode. Yeah, so let me let the cat out of the bag again. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that's fine because I think um, I think it, it doesn't hurt to um, to promote it a little bit in advance. That's fine. Um, oh yeah, especially with the holiday season coming up and everybody, you know, getting busy with. Yes, yes. the 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 story with with Mission to the Unknown is basically um, this was animated by uh, by Ian Levine uh, some time ago. It's a very, very good animation. It really grips you. The story really grips you with uh, with uh, the way that that it's been done, and the animation is very good. Um, and obviously, it, it follows the soundtrack. Um, and when we do our episodes, obviously, we just need the visuals on the screen to do. So we can't do a tele snap thing, for example, yeah. because you can't really tell what's happening. You just see a person. You don't know what they're actually doing. So we need the movement to be able to react to what's going on on the screen. And so we can do animated episodes. We can't do telesnap episodes. Um, so we made we we found out that we actually had enough people available to do Mission to the Unknown because it's a small cast. So we thought, right, okay, we'll do that. That's great. And we did it to the animated episode. Um, but the problem is the animated episode has basically been taken down from the internet. So it's we can't now have it so that people can play along to the episode and watch it. They can listen to it, but they can't. Do it. But, but obviously, yeah. Yeah. the episode has now been recreated yeah. by the University of Lancashire. Is it? Yeah. Yeah. Which is superb. I've got to say the um, the recreation that they've done. Um, it's absolutely magnificent, and having seen the the animated version, and having seen the uh, a lot of the photos from the original episode, um, it is remarkably close to what you'd actually see. And obviously, when when the animated episode was done, when Ian Levine did the animated episode, he was basing all the animation that was done or when the people who did it for him I should say because I don't think he actually did it himself um, the people who did it for him obviously they were basing things like the ship and the jungle and the Varga plants and what have you on what they'd actually seen from photographs um, and so what we what we see in the, the new version the new recreated version matches very very closely visually as to what we've seen in the animation, which is great, 
um, obviously. But they're all going from the same source, though, aren't they? Because well, they they are going from the same source. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and the the difference is going to be with this, and we haven't I haven't actually done much uh, to actually try and sync the uh, the episodes up so far. Um, so we've we've done our recording based on the animated episode, which doesn't necessarily follow exactly what they've done on the recreation because they're running off a script, so they're not going to the beat of what happened from the soundtrack. Well, according to a couple of people that I've seen or read about on the internet, uh, if you play the soundtrack with the recreation from the the university, yeah. it does actually marry up quite well. Well, that's very reassuring. <laughs> I, I, I do think there's a couple of bits that maybe aren't quite, because I did try playing it and putting our soundtrack over the top and there were a couple of bits that we seemed to come in possibly a bit early and so that was maybe maybe a slight difference but obviously that can all be tweaked in the editing so that it, it does then follow and make sense um, and obviously the running time of the new version the recreated version um, is going to be very close to the running time of the, the actual episode so it will be an interesting experiment to do and it, it's it, well one it's just great to have the story out there that people can see it is because I think it's actually a very strong episode it is I think it, it, it's possibly even in the in the top ranks I would say of the Hartnell episodes oh, that I've seen not that, one episode. that yeah. one single episode yeah and obviously as a lead in to the Daleks master plan which obviously it was but bizarrely didn't follow immediately afterwards um, so it's like a little teaser for it for five weeks down the line um, so you could call it you know, part one of a 13 part story effectively because some of the cast the Daleks and the um, and, and the their um, associates <laughs> Yeah. Um, obviously, continue to appear in, in in Master Plan, but the main people, um, Garvey and his chums on the planet, um, obviously, you know, that then none of them are, are alive at the end of it to to continue. So, uh, actually, I was just wondering, were were the Varga plants still used in the Dalek Master Plan? I don't think so. I think they were only ever used in. Mission to the um, in Mission to the Unknown, yes, because they were supposed to they were supposed to have originated on Scaro, and obviously we don't see any action on Scaro at all. I don't think in Master Plan because it all takes place um, wherever they're having their meeting, um, which I would imagine <laughs> the. Um, you know the the representatives from the solar system aren't going to go all the way out to Scaro <laughs> for that. So um, <laughs> you wouldn't think so. It's bizarre, really, the idea that the Daleks actually need to uh, need to have, a, have a allies with any with anything really. But you know that's the Daleks being the Daleks, just using them, and then they would be cast aside afterwards, obviously. Yes. Yeah, so uh, we don't see anything that takes place on Scaro, and obviously we don't go back to Kemble. So uh, I don't think, uh, from my memory, the Varga plants appear at all uh, after that. Yeah, well, just think, you know, if the Varga plants had, had appeared, and then one of them or two of them 
a few of them might have just been the original cast members uh, changed into Vulgar Pants yes yes I wouldn't have thought so I would have thought that uh, as it you know as it's just um, just somebody in a costume at that point then they wouldn't wouldn't need to rehire the original the original mm. cast for that now um, that's what they did though didn't they with the allies as well didn't they if they if I recall correctly yes some of the actors that were in Mission to the Unknown playing them uh, the, the Daleks allies were actually uh, when they brought back to uh, appeared in Darkly Masterplan yes they were used some of them were different actors yes well some of them you couldn't um, you, you couldn't really tell so in that respect obviously it wouldn't make a difference if you see somebody who who barely speaks or doesn't speak because I think in Mission to the Unknown apart from apart from some general mumbling possibly the odd word but it's only really is it Malfa who speaks Malfa so obviously Malfa would have to stay the same actor well did you like the uh, that portrayal in that uh, in that Mission to the Unknown the way he did speak though from Malfa yeah, that was the one thing that you that I thought probably you would tell the difference between that and the original, because obviously he wasn't speaking RP, which everybody did uh, back in the 1960s. They received pronunciation basically the Queen's English. You know, yeah. everybody had to spell oh, yes, so jolly jolly good top hell, everybody. Um, whereas um, obviously, it was clearly a Lancastrian <laughs> who was who was doing who was doing that. The others, there was no accent involved really. But with Malfa, you could tell, and that was the one thing that I felt. Oh, you know, oh, maybe the planet Malfa comes from has a north as well. Then, <laughs> in true Eccleston style. I was going to say, didn't Eccleston say all planets have a north? All planets have a north, but not all planets necessarily have a northern accent the same as the UK. Because, um, you know, that's very much a UK-centric joke, isn't it? Because whilst it works um, to those parts of the world that understand that not all English accents are the same, um, in the same way as not all American accents are the same, I dare say not all... Because you don't... That's one thing I think we never think about... You think of somebody who comes from France or from Australia or from Brazil, uh, you know, um, say for example, and you assume that 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 they speak Portuguese or French or, or English with an Australian accent. You you think it's going to be the same. That I think that's the way that everybody just, without going into it, just just assumes that that's it. There is an Australian accent. There probably isn't. There's probably dozens. In the same way as obviously there's very much so very different accents from different parts of the US, yeah, and the same from the UK. You know, for a very small country, and naturally you've got the the countries within the UK. Oh. You know, Wales, Northern Ireland, and Ireland as well, if you count that, even though it's not part of the UK, but part of part of the Scotland. Oh no, I, was, I wasn't going to. I was just, I just, I was just working Before my way up. <laughs> No, but but quite quite clearly the the different countries have their own accent. But even then, within those countries, the accents vary. You know, there's you can have um, you know a very hard like Glaswegian accent from Scotland, and then you can also have the softer lilt from from a bit further south. Um, you know, and obviously the various counties in the UK tend to have varying accents as well, which is wonderful for us because it does mean that 
that we can, you know, for, for those of us from the UK, <laughs> me particularly anyway, um, because we can change the accents up a bit so that you can put on different voices so you don't sound the same all the time. So that's uh, that's helpful. But um, yes, the uh, this is all the, uh, the uh, lots of planets have a north situation. Um, and obviously that is relying or relying on people knowing that and even then it's not specifically a northern accent it's clearly it's a it's a mancunian accent that uh, eccleston has got because he he's from lancashire he comes from manchester um but that accent is different to literally just a a small distance away from from liverpool or a little bit further from Yorkshire that's a different accent again and then you get further north to Newcastle and that's a different accent <laughs> so you can't just say it's a northern accent it's one of the <laughs> one of the northern accents from the UK so but yes the you know the it still applies that if you just work on well you know someone from the north of a particular area would likely have a different accent so the joke still works i suppose but it obviously was designed i think to be a uk centric joke at the time that it was made in in rose explained everything about the doctor with all his different personalities and all his uh, way he can talk and everything it's, yes it's that one little line right it's i mean it's in the first episode and it's still being quoted by loads Absolutely, of people yeah. all well, around the world yeah because it, it was you know it was a it was a funny line what, what it would have been lovely if peter capaldi at some point would have said oh yeah but all planets have a Scotland because <laughs> <laughs> that's a very a very distinctive accent obviously well, we, we, when you got Jodie's uh, Jodie Whittaker's uh, Doctor yes right, if, if there had been any recurring characters that appeared previously she could have made that sort of same sort of joke as well yeah of course but because uh, she's a brand new character she's brand new Doctor with brand new companions and nobody from her past Yes. She didn't have to, uh, you know, say anything about her accent. Yeah, they, they, they wouldn't think anything, anything of it. Although, they know that she's not from from Earth, so no one has actually brought up. Well, how come you speak with, uh, you know, with a Sheffield accent? Yeah. Or well, a Huddersfield accent to be strictly accurate, accurate, because that's where she's from. But yeah, uh, it's very close. Whereas, obviously, the same thing you could apply to um, to Rose, where. She knows he's not from the not from Earth, yet he's speaking with a with a Mancunian accent. But anyway, all of this is <laughs> all of all this is ad adjacent to what we're actually talking about. But yes, as you say, Malfa not speaking in in RP um, did kind of take me take you out of it. I think a little bit just simply because I think if it happened now, if it was an episode filmed and uh, premiering in the 21st century I don't think anybody would would blink an eye at it but I think because it was a recreation of a 60s episode where that kind of thing didn't happen I think I think it did it did stand out a little bit it stood out a lot that's why I mentioned it <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. but which other animate going back to uh, the subject that we was going to talk about though right, when we was going to starting off with animation Yes. Uh, which ones have you enjoyed then? Because uh, you've got more, by the sounds, a bit more experience of watching the uh, the animations. Well, yes, than I, I mean I I have got all of them. I have seen all of them. I think we started with which one did we actually start with? Was it the invasion? The invasion, yes. Was it the Rain of Terror? 
Reign of Terror was a bit later, so was the Ice Warriors, and the Tenth Planet was one of the later ones, as was Moonbase. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you something. I've just remembered. I've watched the Invasion as well. <laughs> yeah, we did it for the Proctor. Proctor. Yeah. So yeah, I've, I've seen Invasion as well. Yeah, uh, I think Inv- Invasion is one of the ones that people people say really stands out. The animation. They, they seem to. They seem to particularly like the animation on it. And I think that there was quite a lot of money spent on that. That, um, that I think possibly because it, because it could spread because of it was being eight episodes. You were effectively doing one one animated episode per four part story, if you like, and 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 because it was an eight part story, a lot of the the animation, the the characters created like the Cybermen, the Doctor, and and uh, Jamie and Zoe and what have you, then those those characters had already been created, so it didn't cost the same as making two two separate lots of of single episodes for a four part story, if you like. So that reduced the cost effectively for them. And obviously, when the DVD went out, because it was such a long story, then it was a double disc job and went out at a higher price. So that therefore you know, reduce the uh, the expense, if you like, uh, or the relative expense of the animation, because it was it was covered more by the higher price from the DVD. Obviously, things like Power of the Daleks and Macro Terra, everything that was done was animation. Yeah. And um, and this is this is going to be an interesting one because obviously we know some of the stories coming up now. We know that the Faceless Ones is the next is the next one that's coming out. And it's now been announced that Fury from the Deep is coming out as well next year, and it looks like they're planning to to do two a year. And they seem to be focusing on Troughton currently, which is good because obviously so much of the Troughton era is missing. So it's nice to to have them back to be able to see them. Um, I I think a lot of people are hoping that they do venture into doing some of the Hartnells as well, because whilst seasons one and two are very well represented from Hartnell um, there are noticeable gaps obviously Marco Polo um, but then maybe they're just waiting for that to come back because <laughs> this is what I'm thinking uh, with the the Hartnell stuff the, why they haven't really gone into that ter- uh, getting that animated it's because they probably do know some collectors out there and have actually got some I mean this is going back to the the Omni rumour and all this stuff about the missing Indeed. episode it could <clears throat> all be a case of some of these collectors know that they have got these episodes. The BBC know that they've got them. There might be these collectors might be willing to return them once, say, you know, don't, they don't want to keep them or yes. they pass on. So the BBC just biding their time for them to come yes. back. But you well, know, BBC at the same time could just be doing it like if they wanted to. They could really think of it as a cash cow in that they could animate them and when the episodes are returned, then release them again. Yes, which okay, is what I this. Think- what this the big thing that they do with Doctor Who. Yeah, yeah. What what they don't want to do is animate an episode which, before it comes out or just after it comes out, it becomes known that that episode has been discovered uh, or, or has been recovered already, uh, and therefore the story would be coming out in its original form, because then no one's going to buy the animated yeah. version they'll wait for the, the the genuine article to come out 
but I think with things like you know Power of the Daleks and, and Macro Terror and any of the ones that have been brought out thus far, I think if it if it became known that that story was now in existence, the BBC had got it back, they were working on it, it was going to be released. I don't think any of us would worry about the fact that it's already been animated. We would want to see the finished product. We'd want to see the original. So I, I think in that respect, then then yes, like you said, you know people would would buy the episodes again. Maybe that's why they haven't haven't done Macro Terror, Macro Terror, Marco Polo, sorry. Um, because that is that is effectively the only thing now that's missing from season one. Uh, they've done the Reign of Terror episodes that are missing, and that was the only other bits that that weren't in existence from the first series. And because they're bringing out these box sets per season, then it's quite possible that they could do a season one box set if they had Marco Polo. And possibly the reason why that hasn't been done now is because maybe um, that is one of the stories that that has been recovered, is being worked on, or has been found, and negotiations are in process uh, to to get the episode back, or it's known that the story exists, but they haven't got it yet. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know any details of this. This is just. This is just um, a hypothesis. Well, this is one of them things where you need to uh, get in touch with certain podcasts that are out there which love the the missing episodes <laughs> thread that they talk about. The 42 to Doomsday st- Boys. There's <laughs> them. Uh, Stephen Schapansky, <laughs> JR, you know, yeah, these people. They, well, they all love to know. Um, they, they'd be able to give you detail over detail about where some of these uh, – how where these episodes have been in the past? And, yes, and, and yes. You you do going back to that Marco Power episode. That's the one actually I'd rather see in a colorized animated form because you never if they ain't going to get the black the original version back, I'd love to see that because that looks so cool. Yes, yeah. I, I mean the, I, think the it's good. I think it's good that when they when they did Macro Terror and also Power of the Daleks, but Power of the Daleks. They made in black and white, and then they colorized. Macro Terror, they actually did in color, and then um, drained the color from it to get the black and white version. But I think it's good that they that they when they bring out these new episodes now, that they're giving you the option. They're doing a color version, but they're also giving you the black and white version. So the people who want to keep it as close as possible to the original broadcast can watch the black and white version. And those who just want to see the story and aren't bothered about it necessarily being in black and white can watch the colour version. I think that's a very sensible move. I think what would be a mistake would be to purely do it in colour because then you would you'd be upsetting or disappointing some of the people who wanted to see it in as close to the original format as possible. I, yeah, I can understand watching it in black and white, but I can't... If you've got the facility to make it in colour, I personally, I'd rather see it in colour. I, I right? agree. Yeah, I'd rather I see the, the way the the production would have seen that because they would have it would have been you know they wouldn't have been black and white in their eyes. It would have been colour. No, they right were then. they were making it in colour. In colour, they were yeah. Filming it in, they were filming it in black and white because they yeah. that was the only option they had at the time. Um, but as we've seen from some of the photos, uh, particularly like you say from Marco Polo. Um, it was it was a particularly colourful 
production and I've I've watched the telesnap version of it the colorized telesnap version which oh, I say colorized I don't I don't even know if that's the case of the, the you know obviously some of the photos were actually as they were but but yeah watching it in color um I didn't I didn't feel taken out of it at all I didn't feel like it was it, it that made a difference for it and it was it was good to see it in color so yes I would I would hope that if they do end up um, animating it, that they do the same thing. It's it's in in color and in black and white. See, the other one that I'd love to see color uh, animated is uh, the Highlanders, because again, that'd be another one of these ones with a colorful picture. I can <clears> see the the kilts just stand out. Um, the green, the background, the green uh, scene, uh, Battle of Culloden. Right, all that stuff that will really make it stand out. I'd love to see that one. What's the other one? Uh, Myth Makers. Myth Makers again. That'll be um, another one. It's, but in fact, I think it's all the historicals. If they manage to get them all colorized, right, animated, colorized, then I'd love to see all of them. Myth Makers Massacre, Highlanders. What's mm. the other one? Smugglers. The smugglers. smugglers. Yeah. 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 All of them seem to. Uh, that could do with a bit of colour. Yeah. Obviously, we've got uh, two episodes of The Crusade as well. But that's a, that's a partially existing story. Two episodes exist, two episodes don't exist. So would, would if they did that, which I'm sure, if they're going to continue doing this, it is a way of having the complete seasons coming out. So I think there's a very good chance that now that they're doing these, um, these animated episodes that they will, they will do that. Um, but would they would they do it purely in black and white to keep in with the rest of the story? Would they do it in colour, yeah. or would they do what they're doing? This is this is what I was going on to say in the first place. With the faceless ones, the faceless ones is going to be all animation. It's going to be six episodes of animated story, isn't it? Despite the fact that two episodes actually exist. But will they be releasing those two episodes on there as well? I would hope that they would release the episodes as part of the part of the the blu-ray set just simply for those people who want to to see it personally i can't really see why they would bother animating them when they actually already exist in the same way as we've seen these other stories maybe the idea is well if you watch it in animation in animated form from start to finish then you're not going to be taken out of it at all or disrupted in your viewing from having to switch from animation back to live action back to animation again personally I would have I would have thought that as two episodes of it exist the sensible thing would have just been to animate the ones that don't um, but clearly they've got their reasons for, for doing that and I'm not I'm not, obviously I'm not averse to it because we, we have the original episodes that we can see so it gives, it gives us the option there Aren't these being funded by some of these parts being partially funded by BBC America and BBC yes. America are actually showing these episodes on on their channel over there. So if they're yeah. going to be showing a like the faceless ones where they go from the black and white original to a colour uh, to a, to animation, it just might be a bit jarring. So they might want well to show the whole thing as animation. That's a good point. Yes, I hadn't considered the fact yeah. that. Uh, if they're looking at, at screenings in in the US, then you wouldn't want to go from black and white to colour. I think um, that might be. That's probably why they 
they're doing it over there. I mean, it's like an added bonus yes. for everybody else. Yes, I they, think they, that's they, the only only way to be able to fund it. Maybe is yeah. to be able to say they're going to be broadcasting it somewhere in the world. And they wouldn't want to just ship. Yeah, because some of these so animations don't. we don't even get in the U.S. I mean, you guys have you have a lot more access to some of that material that we just have never even we never even knew it existed over here, and we can't get a hold of it. Or if we can get a hold of it, it's not designed to be played on DVD players because we're Region One. You guys are Region Two, and you have to have yeah. an unlocked DVD to play Region Two DVDs, which is not a problem for me because I have one. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, that's well. Obviously, but... when with the Blu-rays, with the Blu-rays yeah. coming out, um, with the season sets, presumably when we get round to getting, you know, seasons one through to six, none of which is complete, you will get the animated episodes in with the live-action stuff. So you will get access to those if you haven't seen them already. I didn't. I wasn't aware that yeah. that some of the stories hadn't actually been released over there. I'm sure that they. I'm sure that they had because I'm sure I've heard you know the likes of Radio Free Scaro reviewing them. Well, you have to remember, Doctor Who was not mainstream in mainstream sci-fi in the U.S. No. in the '60s and the '70s, especially. I discovered it in the late in the early '80s. Yes. When I tripped over it on public television, and that's where we saw it over here in the U.S. was on public on your local PBS stations. Yeah, sure. And usually that was either in the middle of the afternoon or in the middle at the middle of the night. Yes, yes. So Doctor Who didn't actually hit mainstream pop culture in the U.S. until Matt Smith, the reboot really. with Ex- Eccleston, with Eccleston and and Tenet. And then when you when you put Matt Smith in there, that's when the fangirl fanboy movement exploded yeah. on Doctor Who. And I think that was when that was when they really started pushing it. Yeah. In the US. Obviously, you know, the Eccleston and, and all the Russell T. Davis era we can say, effectively, um, was available in the US and it began to gather some momentum there. But I think when Stephen Moffat took over, I think the BBC then were really looking at at, at getting hold of the market in the US and really really pushing to, to make it something that was global and obviously the uh the the, the ramping up of interest since since yeah. series five came out in, in america is is clearly yeah but we're already seeing we're already starting to see kind of a downswing on that you know over here now we're starting to see the curve drop off a little bit yeah because you just don't i mean it you know what was it two or three years ago um Salt Lake City holds a, a, a Comic Con event. They don't call it that anymore because um, issues with San Diego, mm-hmm. but they call it Fanex now. But they had initially this one was they were running it I think in January, and they had the lineup was Peter Davison, I think Karen Gillum and Arthur Duval were coming over. And everything was great. And then they uh, added Matt Smith to it. And the t- and the organizers of the event took everything Doctor Who 
wrapped it in a new bundle called it the Doctor Who Experience, and you had to buy a separate ticket to go to anything Doctor Who related for that con. You had to buy your general admission ticket, and then you had to buy an additional ticket if you wanted anything Doctor Transportation Who. Oh, big time. Because I was my because Matt Smith is my son's favorite doctor, so I was going to take him, pull him out of school for a day, and take him to meet his favorite doctor. And I f- sat down and did the math, and for the two of us to go, it would have cost almost five hundred dollars just for the tickets. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just for the tickets, just a walk through the door. Yeah, and then and then the same for another photo. <laughs> the photo session, the photo. If you wanted a. F- if you wanted a photo, it was 150 for a photo. If you wanted an autograph, it was either 100 or 150 for the autograph. And I got done with the math, and it's like, it's damn near $1,000. We could go to Hawaii for a week yeah. for that. <laughs> so, needless to say, Logan stayed in school, and I haven't been back to one of the Comic-Con events since, because it's just it's just gotten ridiculously expensive with some of it. Yeah, that's it. But the last... I mean, the, but just... I think Catherine Tate came to the last one in September, one in April, something like that, this past year, and it was she was just another one of the guests, the you know, mm. you know, guests at that point. You know, they didn't have all these separate events and separate tickets and so forth. So over here, things are very much how much money can we make off of this as quickly as possible, and then once we've lost that, then. Yeah. So, we, what you know, when Catherine Tate came over, was there a separate like same sort of issues that they, they did with um, Matt Smith when he came over, or did they, no. they said, would, she was no, just she one was of the just, guests. She was just another one of the guests yeah. that was there. They didn't have a segregated situate se- segregated program. But for was her. was that originally because they had f- uh, at least four major Doctor Who stars that made it worthwhile to actually sort of segregate it off to have it as a separate thing. I think that was, that's what their thinking was, but it kind of screwed the fans out who had already oh, bought absolutely. their general admission tickets for to see Peter Davison yeah. because they had wrapped him they, they pulled him in with the Doctor Who experience and it's like, you know, you had people that had bought their because people buy tickets they're already selling tickets for the one in April. Mm-hmm. They those tickets are already on sale, and they'll sell out. They sell out every year for every one of those events. They'll sell out, and there are people right now who are putting away money, scrimping and saving, and planning for the September, the big one in September. Do you that, know who's at that event? I have no idea because they have don't. They'll sell out. They'll start selling out VIP tickets before they even announce a single guest. Yeah, because people will know that there will be there'll, there'll be, be somebody, somebody there, there. That they yeah, so, see. or several people there that are worth yeah. going for. So therefore, and I mean, fan and Fanex is just to me, it's kind of gotten away from what a, con- a Comic Con has been in the past because they bring in people that are not any any anywhere related to geek culture mm. and and the and the the sci fi fantasy genres. Had WWE wrestling stars for hell's yeah. sake. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, okay, well, you want to tell me that wrestling is real, and then you turn around and have, you know, you and you have your big stars at a um, comic convention. 
hell is that on my wall? <laughs> is it a WWE wrestler? No, it looks like a spider crawling up my wall. Then that's probably what it is. Yeah, and that's not good. It's How big is it? Big enough that I'm going to go smash it. <laughs> I'll be back in a minute. Okay. Poor spider. No, no. No, I, no, no. Hey man, hey man, I got bitten by a spider last month, and the I have a scar on my wrist now from it. It's still healing. Is, is that where the web comes out? Look at these spiders over there. <laughs> I got bitten by a spider last week, and my leg is now growing back. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, we just like to say no spiders have been harmed in the making of this podcast. Hold on, she's just doing it live on air. She's okay, just swatting. Yeah. Okay, problem okay. solved. Some some spiders may now have been harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> There's a rule. If you're outside, if they're outside, I'll leave them alone. They can have their space. If they come inside where I am, no. <laughs> right. No, but I've got a I've got a spot on my wrist that's about an inch long and a half inch wide. It's it's definitely a spider bite, and it's all scarred up. The, um, yeah. The the, the the spider that bit you wasn't radioactive by any chance, was it? Well, I haven't been able to swing from the chandelier yet, so we don't want to. We don't want to know about that, Robin. We don't want to know about that. I'm gonna take that. I'm gonna guess. As, I'm gonna guess as a no. <laughs> to, to be to be fair, Robin, have you actually tried? Uh <laughs> spoilers. <laughs> Right, back to the discussion in hand then. Um, it would make if if I could shoot webs out of my hand, that would make delivering packages a hell of a lot easier. Wouldn't it just sling those suckers up on a front porch and <laughs> out of the van? I feel your pain. <laughs> Interestingly, actually, all all three of us work in the um, in the parcel industry, don't we? Yes, I'm raw mail. It's a uh... But I, I don't actually deliver any parcels. I've stopped no. doing that malarkey years and years ago. <laughs> I just that's it, do the sorting. That's easier, less stress. Yes. Whereas Robin and I are kablam people. Yep. Yes. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, that's by the by. Um, so yes, you were saying, Robin, that that you you think that the the interest in the series in the U.S. has waned a little. I think it is I a little um because I mean have is is this since Jody's come along or since Peter Capaldi took over or I think it started I think it started to drop off a couple of years after the 50th so about yeah. when Matt Smith's run ended and Peter was coming out and Peter came on board you know and I'm probably the, my my opinion is the unpopular one in that I wasn't exactly sorry to see Matt go <laughs> Wow! I'll just admit he's not my favorite. Okay. See, I don't know. It's just something that because I was going through a lot of really heavy personal stuff at the time too. When I discovered that Doctor Who had been rebooted, my husband had just passed away a couple of months previous, and when so I saw Eccleston's episodes and watched those, and then there were there were elements of David Tennant's Doctor that I really really identified yeah. with and so I'm watching all those episodes and getting caught up on all of that and just a few months later they announced that he's leaving the role 
and they're replacing him with Matt Smith. So it's like losing a really good friend, a really strong somebody that I really identified with. It was like losing having another death in the family all over again. Yeah. For me, so I think that I think that because of that, just that emotional connection that I had, is is a big part of why I never really connected with Matt's doctor yeah. at all. Just to, but, just as a com- complete yeah. aside, um, sure. Regarding David Tennant um, announcing his departure, um, I went with some friends to to go to see. Uh, to see him in Love's Labour's One, uh, Love's Labour's One, Love's Labour's Lost, Love's Labour's One is the one that doesn't yeah. exist. Love's Labour's Lost. Um, yeah, we don't want to like summon Carrionite witches. Yes, indeed. And I and I, I might be misremembering it, but I think I was actually at the performance when halfway through, unbeknownst to all of the rest of us, he went outside and announced that he was leaving. Yeah, I watched that live. Yeah, but I, I I can't remember the production what it was. Oh, actually, saying that I'm sure. No, no, I I, I recorded it. I recorded the uh, the NT. It was the NTAs, wasn't it? Yes. Or the yeah, the NTAs. It was a tele- uh, television award of some sort. Yeah. Yeah. I remember watching it live in there. I said, "Wow, he's just announced it." It was an interesting performance because the the way it was it was set. The audience was sort of set in a in a circle, and there were various aisles being between the. The, the rows of seats and the actors would come in through these through these aisles and then be acting in the in the middle of everything so you were you were quite close to them at various different times and uh, and obviously you had a a 360 degree view so at some point anybody could see the back of somebody or anybody could see the front of somebody um and uh and David Tennant comes in and at one point he um he has to sort of squat down on his haunches and he did this, and his trousers split. <laughs> <laughs> so you you could see his underwear underneath this. Were were there any Tom Baker pants? They weren't. They weren't Tom Baker pants. Well, we didn't see the face anyway. Which obviously they didn't split at the crotch area. They split. They split at the back. And I don't think the Tom Baker pants had his face. Over the arsehole, so <laughs> so. Oh, there is an image that I just can't get out of my mind. <laughs> so after the show, when he came out and did various signs, obviously the crowd outside was was massive. Um, and he started at one end and he worked his way along and he signed I don't know however many fifty or sixty people's stuff and then went back in again so I never actually got round to as far as, as where we were so I never actually got a chance to, to get a signature from him uh, but um, I did I did mention um, this uh, this <laughs> trouser related incident to him um, and he obviously heard me because he just went stop it <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that was quite. That was quite an amusing thing. So, yes, but yes, I mean, I, I, there has been. Uh, obviously, there's always talk of. Well, you know, has it has it peaked? Um, I think potentially, potentially in the UK, you could say that it peaked during the tenant era. Um, you could say that it peaked during the fiftieth because that clearly was 
was yeah. massive but was that just because that was what it was and yeah. had the Perfect. yeah and had the interest actually yeah. already already you know dissipated slightly from that point i don't think you can say that it's the drop off has been massive I think clearly when David Tennant came on, it was riding the crest of a wave from the show, having coming back, having come back. Um, yeah. He was he was young, he was popular, he was very charismatic. Um, you know, he's a good-looking chap, and that in itself generated a lot of interest. Um, being that much younger than than Chris Eccleston when he came in, um, and I think when they went to Matt Smith, they were whilst they were obviously looking at going to a, an older doctor Stephen Moffat himself said that you know he he was looking at an older doctor and then Matt came in and as soon as he'd read for the role it was like well basically this is it isn't it this is the doctor we found our doctor and we don't need to look any any further but i think that the the fact that it was you know that David Tennant was he wasn't quite the youngest doctor at the time when uh when he started because Peter Davison had been younger um, but he was certainly much younger than than any of the other doctors at that point, and the way that you know the storyline with Rose and everything with the with the the quasi romantic yeah. romantic interest and what have you going on that I think that 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 was that was capturing what the public were were after at the time and and clearly the popularity of the show was as great as it had ever been since you could say early Tom Baker or the Dalek mania of the 1960s at that point. I've, I've been listening to a few podcasts recently and they've said the same sort of thing. I mean, there was, this is one from 42 to Doomsday where they uh, talked about issues about merchandising. Yes, that was a very uh, good episode. But it was all from this, like an Australian uh, second-hand collector's point of view. Yeah, and, I'm and not somebody knocking, who is, who is a trader. Yeah, and I'm not knocking his point of view on what he said. But it seemed to be from his point of view in his part of the world, and then you've got to look at the UK's uh, the way UK uh, popularity is at the moment, and it has we and it has gone down. I can tell it has gone down from the fiftieth, and that could be down to Capaldi's popularity. It could be down to the, the the complexity of the some of the stories that have been mm, told. Yeah. And that people weren't getting it. Uh, it then shot up again, just briefly, I'd say, when uh, Jodie first few episodes were shown. Yes. Because it was a brand new show, yes. brand new Doctor. Everybody wanted to come in. But the popularity, he, I don't think, has been at the same sort of level that it was during the Tenant era and early part of Matt Smith's era and the 50th anniversary. Right, it hasn't been to that sort of levels, and I think that could be down to quite a few issues. I mean, it could be down to uh, the popularity of the Doctor uh, himself or herself. It could be down to the quality of the writing. It could be down to the BBC not publicising it as much as they used to. Yeah. It could be down to uh, the merchandise not being on the shelves. Of people are buying stuff every uh, at any time of the year that they want. Uh, it's just a lot of factors seem to put it into people's mind that the show is waning. It could also just simply be the length of time that it's been on. Because don't forget, we're now looking at 14 years since the show has come back. Yeah. But you could also look at it 14 years 
Uh, if you look at the classic series, 14 years would have been 1977 in yeah. Tom Baker. And Tom Baker was the height of his popularity then. And yes. That, from that... But, but, but the show had gone through various dips, uh, peaks and troughs already. You know, it, it started off, there was a bit of interest to start with, and then that sort of fizzled through through the first season until um, until the Daleks came back. And then it rode the crest of a wave for several months. Uh, until gradually it started to drift off again through um, through the end of Hartland, through Troughton. Uh, and then John Pertwee came in and Colour came in and audiences grew and grew and grew. I think, I think it grew on average a million every year throughout the Pertwee era. Uh, and then obviously you had the first three or four years of, of Tom Baker when that again was the right doctor at the right time coming in um, and great storylines and the production was so good the Hinchcliffe era you know really really nailed everything and it just it was that perfect storm um, that kept the show very very current very popular within the BBC I think that that was a a time when the BBC were quite happy to have Doctor Who um, which is something they haven't always been There there were always been people who have felt that it wasn't really it's not really the kind of thing we do at the BBC no, not really no, 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 this science fiction nonsense um, but then there have always been people who've supported the show but clearly the popularity at that time was, was, was great and then it did begin to drift off a little bit towards the end of uh, Tom Baker's run and then obviously Peter Davison came in so it's a new fresh doctor they started putting it on during the week um, and that boosted things up again and then that again began to drift down and drift down and then never really did a lot through Collins era unfortunately and um, and then during Sylvester's time um, clearly the BBC were were completely fed up with it by that point and were putting it out opposite Coronation Street and it was it was it was not doing badly considering yeah. and obviously as as things drew to a close and the series you know, reached its its end, the figures were beginning to creep up again, um, which is great. Um, and then obviously it's come back, and to start with, yes, again, boom, massive figures. I mean, the the figures uh, has to be said for the the TV movie, the Paul McGann TV movie, were, were very good in the UK. There were nine million or something like that. Um, yeah. And you have to you have to consider that in the days when Dalek Mania hit and. John Pertwee was doing well and Tom Baker the early years of Tom Baker uh, when things were, were really flying back in those days there were in the 60s I think at the time there were actually only two channels when it came on BBC yeah. 2 came along shortly afterwards um, but then there were only three channels up until the early 80s when we got channel 4 in the UK um, and then as the later 80s came along then you started to get the uh, the satellite channels coming in so then suddenly there was more of a choice um, you had um, home video um, and you know personal computing and gaming was beginning to, to take off so suddenly you had a lot more choice as to what you could do whereas in the 60s and 70s um, you had the choice of listening to the radio watching the TV or you know, real life outside of that, and <laughs> reading the book, actually talking to each other and going out and doing things. But obviously, you know, the popularity of 
television has always been there and, and people like to watch things it's just there just wasn't that wasn't they didn't have that choice that subsequently came along as more channels appeared and then satellite came along and then you could you could rent videos and you or you could record things that you you had seen on the TV uh, and then watch them again down the line so naturally when that level of choice came out that in itself was going to diminish the amount of people who were actually watching things live just simply because there were other things that they could do they had more channels to choose from so even if it only took a few hundred thousand viewers away if you're watching something on on satellite say for example that still diminished the audience slightly um that's when it became important when talking about viewing figures to start talking about um catch-up viewing which obviously didn't really come about properly until things like iPlayer and these channels that would would reshow the program within the week so that people could actually watch it at a, at a later date or uh, you know PVRs where you could just set your record it digitally and then and then watch it later um more so even than videos because i think there was there was a more chance of actually um getting the information from something that was recorded digitally um so it's it's natural that that the figures in the early days were going to be higher just simply because there wasn't the options the, there choice. Wasn't the, the, the choice of other things to watch you know you watched you watched this or you watched the other channel or you watched the other channel and that was it so that has to be taken into consideration obviously the other side of that coin is the the population since the 1960s in the UK has grown by in excess of 10 million people so that's an extra 10 million viewers so you could also argue that there are more people around now to watch things so that in in some ways offsets what's been happening with the the choice situation um but you do certainly notice trends and the recent trends clearly have been that uh, a new doctor will start the interest is high it tends to drop from a first episode of a series through to the end of a series very slightly it's not a massive drop off but it is something that will naturally happen because you'll get the casual viewer that will come in at the start to say oh, I'll see what this is all about some people will like it and stick with it some people will come to it later other people will, will just drift off as time goes by and that's just a natural thing um, so you do get higher audience figures at the beginning part of a season and the beginning part of a doctor's tenure you can look at it from this just from the 13th doctor the, the initial Writings for the 13th Doctor were massive. They were. Because it was a new Doctor, it was a female Doctor, it was the yeah. start of a new era, it was on a new night. There were massive figures. Yes. And it's probably higher than most, what most people expected. I think it was it 14 million or something like that? 13? It was 10.9, I think it came out at the end. It just beat um, the highest previous, which I think was Rose. It just beat it. But obviously, if you add all the iPlayer, yeah, and then from there um, views, you know, since then, because they obviously the first episode of a series um, over the course of its run 
is going to get more views than anything else because it's it's been there for longer so more people will come to it if they come to this, the series then they're going to look back at the first episode you know you we can we can see just from from the podcast that we're doing now our first episode is and the introduction that led up to the first episode is way bigger in figures than anything else it's it's more than double the um the episodes that followed it and that's simply because it was the first episode people will come to something and they'll think oh i wonder what this is about well let's see how it starts boom and do that yeah <laughs> which means which means from our own basis that people have heard the first one and go well i won't bother with that anymore <laughs> what's the rest of it um but uh yeah no that's uh being slightly facetious um, but you, you you are naturally going to get that, the casual viewer is going to come in look at something, check it out may continue with it, may not those that don't, obviously that's where you get the you get the drop off um, and yes, naturally with the iPlayer, you know the, the episode that's been up there the longest has given more people the chance to find it and it's the first episode so you're going to get these, these figures every time you see it, you know you see Doctor Who mentioned iPlayer figures when they say, and the best one for the series was, and it's always the first episode of the series. You know, you do get a, an awful lot of people um, coming to iPlayer and downloading these things these days. And so, yes, you are going to add, you know, two, three, four million viewers at the end of that. So the catch up figures, which do now include iPlayer within the seven day and the 30 day scenario, but will continue to add it as time goes on they do make a significant difference to to what the figures have been and yes naturally that's going to you know that's going to push things push things up from where they were i think the overnights for for the woman who fell to earth were very good to start with and the catch up figures within 7 days were substantial as well to to make it you know what it was and uh, and it was lovely to see that that doctor who was getting that interest again and to be fair to the rest of the series yes you know things have dropped off and you could say that they've dropped off more significantly because of this massive spike at the beginning of the series but it's only what normally happens just maybe a slightly exaggerated version of it and the figures throughout have not been bad particularly when you consider that viewing figures generally are down across the the entire TV yeah. industry they're massively down on the entire. I mean, but the Doc True ratings were quite healthy for that Sunday night. Yeah. Uh, for that point, that season just gone. So yeah. I'm hoping they're going to continue when, whenever Jody comes back in the next series. Yes. This okay. has got my fingers crossed for it because I could see all the haters. Because there's a couple of there's a couple of uh, Facebook pages that I'm a member of, and I do listen to, uh, and they've also got podcasts as well, and. Occasionally, I'll go on there, and it's just full of hate, mm. just full of hate. And I don't re- don't know why I'm still a member of these groups, but yeah. I'd rather I'd rather be there and listen to what they're saying, right, and not be there, and then suddenly get a jolt when yeah. some, when I go on to some, somewhere else and suddenly find somebody good, not my doctor, not this, and it just annoys the hef, hef out of me. Yeah, and it does get get on my way. But I'd rather be on these sort of websites so I can fight fight back. Yeah. And I've done I've said it occasionally on these. So don't 
just watch how she's portraying she's portraying the doctor i mean i'm not going this is this is not going to be a jody uh loving or a jody hates or whatever I'll just, this is the way she's playing it she's playing the doctor you've got to understand that she is the doctor yeah right if you don't enjoy the show don't enjoy the show. Don't, don't, watch don't watch and leave it. Don't start a hate campaign. Don't start putting hashtags, mm. not my doctor. Don't start going, you know, I wish you'd stop doing this. I wish you'd stop doing that. But each doctor had their own quirks. Each doctor had their own uh, highs, lows, right? Just enjoy it for what it is. And if you can't enjoy it, don't watch it. Yeah. You've got 50 odd years of other shows to be able to watch if you wanted to. But it's. Uh, but th- this is one of the things that really annoys me these days is find you go onto your own timeline on Twitter sometimes and I'll follow some fantastic people and they follow me back. But occasionally there'll be the odd person who'll just go, I hated her just because she gurned her face like this or she's, she, just, she just walks into a room and she started waving a sonic screwdriver like a mad woman, right? She's waved it like a... As, as you called it as a mad woman, that's what that's what her doctor does. Don't worry about it. Just enjoy the rest of the show. Yeah, I think I think I think it's it's almost a case of thus has it always been. Um, you look back to the early days of the Doctor Who Appreciation Society uh, when you were looking at season fourteen when Deadly Assassin came out, for example, um, and at the time. Um, these hardcore fans were going, oh, well, this is this is dreadful. This is not what the Time Lords are about. They, they've completely rewritten the, the show's history. I don't agree with this. Blah 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 blah. Uh, it was rated the lowest story in the in that season's poll at the time. And I think what it is, whilst I don't like seeing, like you said, you know, the haters out there and the people moaning about the show and what have you, because I don't like to see that because I love the show, I always have, in all its forms. But what it does show is the passion that people have for it. But, some, uh, but what, sometimes what, a passion can be misguided. Oh, absolutely. Uh, what, what, what I find particularly yeah. bizarre about the whole thing is that the entire ethos of the show, certainly since Troughton came along, has been that it changes. You, you know, the cast, the cast changes completely. Yeah. Exactly. Power of the Daleks was the first story where there had been nobody who had been in the the rest of the the Troughton run, with the exception of Ben and Polly, obviously, uh, who'd only just come on at that point. But up to up to War Machines, nobody else who was who had been a cast member in the show was then in the show anymore. And similarly, when John Pertwee took over, with the exception of Nick Courtney and and possibly John Levine there was nobody who had been in the show up to that point and and it, that's the way it goes the show completely changes new production teams come in new producers come in and they do things differently season seven the show set entirely on earth the doctor exiled to earth you barely even saw the tardis never mind um you didn't see inside it i don't think in the first no you don't in not season in first. seven no. And you certainly didn't go anywhere with it. All the stories were, were bound to earth. So the show had completely changed. It was a grittier, a grittier show than it had been. It was, um, you know, more like a, a sort of a cross between the Avengers and James Bond and Doctor Who, really. 
so it was totally different to what you'd had in in season six and you know and then the uh, the JNT era comes along and that's completely a totally different change of tone the show has always changed and you've got you've got people who love the classic series but it's cha- it changed so much from the start to the finish at so many different times and yet these I'm just going to say you can you can look at it in the Tom Baker era itself you I mean you've got the the whole Philip Pinchcliffe Robert Holmes era and yeah. then 3 years later it becomes the Graham Williams era. Yeah. And then for that final season, it's that JNT, the uh, blocker stories. Yeah. And they're and... all completely different from each other. Yeah. Yeah. The only the only thread through it all is Tom Baker. And, and even the way he plays the part yeah. changes as time goes on. He's clearly very into it for the first three, possibly even four years. Then it starts. He starts to get a little bit more jokey about things. He's always tried to put his own his own humour into it and suggesting lines and things. And, and clearly, you know, with Douglas Adams coming on as scriptwriter, the humour did become more and more so. And so the sh- and the, the the show became, you know, more sort of undergraduate humour, if you like. And then J and T came along and put a stop to that. And the last season, his performance is is really quite serious and drawn back and contemplative if you like so so the way he's played the part has changed from the way he started to the middle to the end so even within that and you could say the same thing I mean look at Peter Capaldi you know the way he started off which is obviously what they were planning to do with Colin Baker when he took on the role was to start the Doctor very grumpy and irascible and abrasive and really not very pleasant and then changing to as time went on to being a lot friendlier, more open, more likable, you know, more like the character that we've come to expect. And so you could the 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 the, the difference in the Doctor from the start of the Capaldi era to the end of the Capaldi era, even though the production team was the, was the same throughout and the production values were the same and the stories were, were really quite similar, the differences are there. And this is why I always find it bizarre when you get these fans who go, "Oh, this is not what Doctor Who is all about." It's like, well. But Doctor Who has changed, has always changed. The whole, it wouldn't exist now if it hadn't changed. So, yes, you can get something that, you know, a new Doctor can come along, a new showrunner can come along, assistants can come along, companions, friends, call them what you will, uh, can come along, and you may not be so keen on them, but just wait because it'll change and the next thing yeah. that come along might be the best thing that you've you've in your opinion that there's ever been in the show so you can do the same with Sylvester McCoy I mean you look at Sylvester McCoy's first run of stories and that the way that he's playing the doctor where he's just like somebody who just lands in just slightly jokey uh, slightly mis- uh, out of his place uh, out of his, uh, whatever he, the way he was playing it and then you watch the next two seasons with the same production crew, uh, versus with Sophie Aldred by his side, uh, and then he changes from being this jokey sort of doctor who plays the spoons mm. into this all scheming Machiavellian uh, character that seems to have like three or four chess moves ahead of you, all right? And you just think if they'd have stuck with the, the first season of Sylvester McCoy. It probably would have. They might have just ended up finishing it after the second season. But yeah, then they managed to get two seasons of ex- fantastic stories, yeah. which the fans are now reappraising because they all they've seen probably is they've heard about is uh, Sylvester McCoy's fir- uh, first season, 
Uh, and they don't realise how really excellent some of his stories were in the, the later seasons. Yeah. Curse of Fenric, just brilliant stories. Go on. I think, I think that, that that was something that was brought about by circumstance um, at the time because the, the, the casting of Sylvester was, was quite late in the day. Andrew Cartmel hadn't really come along properly as script editor. The, the show didn't have a direction that it was going in. Everything was cobbled together very quickly. And as Sylvester himself has said, he didn't know how to play the part. So he just did what he does naturally and went for the comedic aspect of it. So that's why you got his doctor being more more the clown, uh, the spoon stuff, the you know the the getting his his words mixed up and what have you. And he he found as the season went on that that wasn't the way that he wanted to play the part. He wanted to be more serious. He wanted to make it darker. And and Andrew Cartmel came on and and thought this is you know I I've come into this show. I've I've inherited time and the Rani and this is not what I wanted at all this is not a show I would have commissioned um, and I want to take things in a different direction I want to try out these new writers um, I want to go for ideas that are slightly left field you know I want to make something that's better quality television if you like and that happened Slight, you can slightly see it more as the first season goes on um, I think you notice with Dragonfire it's quite different, really, to the other three stories in the season. Uh, and then season 25 starts and Remembrance comes on and it's like, whoa, what are we watching here? This is this is different. It, it, came, yeah. it came on. When the first episode of Remembrance aired, I watched it and I thought, wow. And I watched it again that night and then I watched it again the next day and it was the first episode of Doctor Who that I'd seen three or four times within you know the immediate period of it having been on normally I'd, I'd, I'd watch it and then I'd probably watch it again during the, the the following week at some point before it came back on the next week but this one I watched it and I watched it again the same night because I was just blown away by yeah. the quality that that, that suddenly yeah. had, had ramped up so dramatically in in the, the character of the Doctor and the oh, mystery you, and the you, and the effect and everything, everything just seemed to be better. You see that you're over the same boat as you. I can remember watching that as I recorded it, and mm. then watching it again straight afterwards. Yeah, and then watching it, I think at least once a day for the next six days until yeah. the next episode turned up because it was an excellent, fantastic story. Yeah. First, first episode to hook the viewers in because yeah. uh, you had the Daleks the ex- exterminating, uh, and the special effects were great. And there was all that mystery in there. Mm. I mean, Robin, can you remember? Have you watched Remembrance of the Daleks? Have you got experience? Yeah, I have seen that one, and I really liked it because I could see a difference in the writing from the early McCoy episodes to the, to that one, and it brought out the darker side of the Doctor that you didn't see in, and not so much a darker side, but a willingness to manipulate people to make yeah. things happen that he knows needs to happen. And if you really want to go deeper into McCoy's story and that mindset, listen to the big Finnish production, Love and War, because it follows along that same theme, and he manipulates people, including the people that trust Ooh. him most, 
you know that uh, Love and War? Sorry, do you know that Love and War is based on a big, uh, uh, a virgin new adventure? New adventure? Yeah, Paul Cornell, isn't it? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I had, yeah. just, I, it was on special. Big Finish was having a special, and I was like, I had gotten something that I had, I'd done some promotional thing, and they're like, you pick several of these as as your reward for doing this promotional thing. So I picked that one. And at the mm. time, I didn't know it was based off of a novel. So I just listened to the audiobook, and it was stunningly well done. I mean, it was fantastically well done. But it is it is a bit of a gut-wrenching audio. And I don't listen to... You have to be in the right... I have to be in the right mindset to listen to that one. Yeah, I can imagine. But it was out... out but I really liked Remembrance, and I mean, you had all these different manipulations going on, and then, of course the epic scene where Ace just beats the crap out of a Dalek with a baseball bat, you know? <laughs> That's, like, that is a badass woman. She just kicked a Dalek's ass with a bat. It's the first episode's cliffhanger that really did me in those. The, the, the Dalek the going up the stairs. Dalek going yeah. up the stairs. Because yeah. you'd never seen it in well, Doctor Who before. This is yeah, one of these popular misconceptions because everybody goes, oh, that's the first time that the, that the Daleks have oh, gone upstairs, oh, what have you. But they didn't because they, they actually... Um, they were they were levitating in Revelation. It just it wasn't so obvious. It was a kind of almost like a little throwaway thing at the end. That was yes. the first time that that it happened. Yeah. But but this is more. Points, the, as I said, to. this was more obvious because the, you could actually yeah. see them going up. Yeah. Uh, a few feet like yeah. up the stairs. Like. Whereas in reality, there were like four blokes on two massive poles. Physically lifting the Dalek up, and then that was all sort of blurred out by that that red glowy thing underneath the underneath the Dalek. And it's uh, <laughs> something that they they actually literally couldn't have done many years previous to that. So again, a situation where you know technology has has helped to um, you know to to make things possible within the show. So so anyway, to um, to bring it back briefly to what we're talking about with the with the animations i think we're all in favor what of the animations? Talking about animations we were oh. talking about animations to oh begin really with. oh right okay. I, I, another track. I like the fact that we've just let this wander off into whichever direction we wanted it to go that's that's the way things should be cool um yeah so we're all in favor of the animations yes yeah, yeah, I am, and because it it's an opportunity to see stories that you know i would never ever have gotten to see yeah otherwise yeah you know, I mean, I've got some of the early Hartnell on DVD. I've got, I think, one or two Troughton, but they're hard to come by. And if you can find them in the U.S., they cost an arm and a half a leg. Oh, poor Robbie! Some, in some places, <laughs> I'm going to tell you this. Um, a few weeks ago, there's a, a DVD seller that I know uh, that goes to people's houses. Right, so when people have got a large collection of stuff that they want to get rid of, and he goes there and sell, and buys it off them for a knockdown price. And he knows me that I'm a Doctor Who fan, and he went to somebody's house, and uh, this chap was selling a large collection of DVDs. And he says, "Okay, I'll give you X amount for this." But then he notices there was some Doctor Who DVDs. He says, "Well, them over there, I'll give you X amount for that as well. You know, I'll, I'll buy it off you. you. Just give me all them." I'll give you a little bit more and give me the doctors as well. The chap goes, I don't really want to part with my DVDs. He says, yeah, yeah, it'll be all right, no problem. Right, so I'll, I'll, I'll buy them all off you. Yeah. It'll clear some space for you. 
and I'll do it. And so the chap agreed to sell it. Right, so Lee then rings me straight up, leaves the DVDs on. And he rings me straight up, I've got some Doctor Who DVDs for you, do you want me to meet me? I says, okay. So at about nine o'clock at night, I'm on somebody's car park, <laughs> right, in the car, back of his car, and he's going, I've got yeah, all mate, these Doctor Who DVDs. You want to buy a yeah. Doctor Who DVD? And they were all, <laughs> they were all in black bean bags, right? <laughs> so he'd got the whole collection of DVDs, and he'd, he'd had to go around through the whole lot to pick out all the Doctor Who ones. So I'm there picking out, like, uh, Band of Brothers, P- uh, Pacific, and all this stuff. But in, in amongst all that, with Doctor Who DVDs, ended up buying about 21 DVDs for about 70 quid, which included, like, box sets and uh, complete seasons, uh, yeah. all this stuff. Uh, it's all stuff that was missing from my collection. Uh, so, you know, all you've got to do, Robin, is find yourself somebody who does DVD selling out of a black bean bag, right? <laughs> Somewhere in the USA, and you'd be, you know, you'd be sorted. To be, to be fair, Robin, you have picked up some bargains, haven't you? From like bargain. I bins. have, I have found some good stuff. But... <laughs> I thought it was an ice cream van. <laughs> that was my alarm saying I've got to get rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. But I have picked up some some good stuff. There's some things that I haven't been able to find around here. I mean, I picked up a lot of stuff during um, 50th Anniversary Frenzy. Yeah. Because all our local Barnes & Noble booksellers also has a section on DVDs. And they had a bucket load of Doctor Who stuff. And from and from Hartnell all the way up to, at the time, Tenet. So you could get anything pretty much there. But there were some that were obscure and harder to find than others. And so I'd go looking for them on Amazon, and I think it was Dragonfire that they were offering. A seller was offering it for like a hundred and thirty dollars. What? Yeah, <laughs> and I was like, uh, "Yeah, no, we'll find. We're, we'll wait. We'll find that one." Well, th- this is where I'm now happy that they've announced that they're releasing season ten. Yeah. Uh, not season, season 10, 20, season 12. Season, 20, season 24, possibly, even. <laughs> season 12, back. Uh, oh, uh, yes, yes, that's what you mean, yes. Blu-ray. Oh, God, right. yes. Yeah. Because that's the only one now missing from it. Because I, I, when, when they first announced these Blu-rays, I thought, I don't really want to buy these Blu-rays. Right? I'm not sure what the what the difference is going to be what uh, from what the DVDs that I've already got. So I never thought about them. Season 12 came, was a massive sell- seller, and people so positive about it. There was all the extras on it, and you just thought, okay, maybe you should have bought it. And so yeah. every season after the, the one that they've released, after that, I've, I've already pre-ordered. Yeah. So now, and just think, hoping that they would re-release season 12. And yeah. in the last week or so, week and a half, they've renounced uh, at, at a, one of these uh, fan events somebody announced that they will be re-releasing season 12 so I'll, I'll be able to pick that up again in a limited yeah. release we, still haven't, we still haven't had an official announcement I mean it may, possibly by the time the episode goes out we may have had an official announcement but it was it was mentioned at the Comic Con um, um, yeah. by somebody connected to, to the range that yes they were going to bring out a limited release uh, re-release of this so that people could get a chance to get it which always made sense because you know if the demand is there for something and you can produce it and they've already done it 
now, so they just have to press more of them. They don't have to remake the whole thing. So if the demand is there, if you're in business, why would you not try and make money? Uh, yeah, and and fulfil that demand. You know, if if there's more supply than demand, that's not what you want. If there's more demand than supply, then absolutely go go for it. You know, fill your boots. This, this is it with the, the the later seasons as well. I mean, I know the that season twelve was being sold what three hundred quid or something like that. Maybe oh, four hundred pound plus. I I I'd seen it for. But even some of the ones that have been released released later on, they they're up for about one hundred thirty, hundred forty quid. Wow. Peter Davison's one was up for one hundred thirty. I think it was Martin Havel from the Bagwell podcast. Yeah. He'd put up a couple of pictures. I think Peter Davis as well for about 140. And the John Pertwee one was for about 130. Mm. So people are just, yeah. might be bought by it and just put them straight onto eBay. Because they've realised people out there want them. When season 12 came out, my initial thought was okay, right, so this is coming out now at 40 quid in the UK. I'll let the initial flurry go i'll wait till it drops to like 30 quid or whatever which invariably will happen and i'll pick it up then because that's what i yes. always did with the yeah. dvds i never got them when they first came out i'd always and, and with with a few with a yeah. few exceptions um i did get power of the daleks when it came out um i did yeah. get um enemy of the world when it came out first of all i um, had to get the macro terror because we were doing it for the podcast yes. that's yes. the yes. only so, one Awesome. Similarly, I, I did get that one quite quite early, not straight away, but quite early. Um, but yeah, that that was, and, and obviously, if it was something that I could get for a Christmas present, then that was that was fair enough. I'd, I'd happily say, well, yeah, if you want to get me a present for my Christ, Christmas or my birthday, I'll have this, which is the latest DVD. That's fine. But if I'm buying it myself, I would generally just wait till because most of the most of the DVDs I've got, I, I you know, I picked up for like five six quid or whatever the single episode stories. So I thought I'll do the same thing with season twelve. Oh, it's sold out. Oh, you can't buy it now for less than four hundred quid. Ah, bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think there's but, loads of people in the same boat as you. Yeah, and, and I oh. think this this was there was such an outcry. So well, we hang on, we want this. We haven't got it yet because they didn't make enough of them, and they weren't expecting them there to be this this demand for it. That I think that it was always going to happen that they were going to re-release it at some point. I'm just glad that that's now come out as an announcement, even though, as as we've said, you know, it hasn't. There's not been an official announcement. You've not seen. You, you can't look on, on Amazon or, um, or any of the any of the, no. the DVD sites or Doctor Who news page hasn't announced that it's coming out now because it's just been. You know, it's just been said. Oh yeah, we're going to do this. So there will be an announcement forthcoming at some point, which, as I say, for all I know, has happened. It will happen the the the, the afternoon after we've done this recording, and, and however long before we put it out, um, and it'll be out there now. But at the time of speaking, certainly there's been no official announcement about it. But yes, it will be happening. So, so that's cool. And hopefully, you know, as time goes on, we'll get we will get all the other series and they probably will include all the animated episodes that certainly all the ones that have been done recently unless the actual episodes themselves have been recovered um so you will get um all the stuff that we're buying now when it comes out oh great faces is coming out i'm gonna buy that oh great furies and it's coming out i'll buy that and then three years down the line they'll bring out the, the blu-ray box set and we'll go oh great i'll buy that oh i've probably got this one because <laughs> 
because that's what we do. Yeah, this is this is. <laughs> well, I'll buy that one and hold on to it, then put it up on a flog it on eBay. This is what I said to the lads of Prontoroos. I might not be buying the uh, faces ones. Yeah, uh, because I'm, I'm expecting it all to turn up in the Blu-ray uh, the, on a box set um, Blu-ray. So I'm not sure if I want to go around buying it and then buy it again in a couple of years' time. The thing, the thing with those, with things like that, and the Macro Terra, season four. So season four, you've got you've got the smugglers, which would need to be produced. You've got the Highlanders. Uh, you've got Evil of the Daleks that would need to be done. You know, and you've got what are they are they going to do it as a part Hartnell part Troughton? Because that's season four and yeah, season five cool. again. You know, you've got the Abominable Snowman. They need to do. You've got Wheel in Space. They need to do. Are they going to go through and? produce all of these next so that that's the next box box set that can come out because logically they're not going to create the episodes complete the season and then go right we're going to bring the the season out now immediately after they've just produced the episodes (laughs) the individual stories because people will go well yeah no (laughs) i've only just bought this story so there will be a delay so i think if you want to see the story you know in the in the immediate future basically you need to either buy it or borrow it from somebody. Well, uh, don't the pick miles. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll make a decision a bit closer to the date and then yeah. decide what I want to do. But you know what, you yeah. know damn well what's going to happen, don't you? Yeah, it'll be You're on my shelf. In a, yeah, it'll be yeah. on my shelf in a week. Yeah, you, you'll you'll it, it'll come out and and Mark will go right. We're going to review this one now, and you'll go. Yeah. I'll buy it then. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got actually, I, I've got a couple of friends who are big avid Doctor Who collectors as well. Yeah. Right, so I could always go around and say, "Well, you buy it this month, this one. I'll buy the next one, and we can all share it." Yeah. Right, so well, I like might I say, able... you might you might get the option to actually just borrow it to watch it and then give it back, which is well, always I... a, always a possibility. See, now I've got people knocking on my window here. Oh no! Right, <laughs> right. It's so, that, is, uh, it, is it that bloody Greta Garbo? <laughs> well, it ain't gonna be. It's me mum. <laughs> it's my bloody mother. Tap, me tap, mom. tap on my window. She's knocking on the window. Not she wearing a shorty nighty, I hope. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's fully wrapped up, and ready to go to the goddaughter. <laughs> okay, well, that seems to be a natural place to uh, to end our chat now. So. Um, Thank you, Suki. Thank you, Robin, for for what's been a, a a really entertaining conversation. I've enjoyed it greatly. It's not often we do this kind of thing, but we we wanted to have something to be able to put out until our various technical yeah. issues are resolved. Um, so thank you, listeners, for listening, uh, which is obviously what listeners do. And um, and we will be back in in a few weeks um, with something else. Uh, we're hoping to have something a little bit special for our anniversary episode our anniversary being of course 23rd of November so for, for around about then hopefully all being well fingers crossed there will be something special and unique coming out that will be of interest to to everybody not just the people who like the kind of stuff that we do um, not saying anything yet because I don't know if it can happen but if it does uh, hopefully it will be something that everybody will enjoy and uh, further on from that as I say we are hoping to get Mission to the Unknown out as our Christmas episode so watch this space and we'll see you in the near future bye
Bye. Bye. So there you have it, listeners. That was our chat, primarily about animated episodes. But obviously, as you could tell, we did tend to veer off into other subjects, as uh, conversations generally do. And I think that's nice. Rather than having it as a set format, we just take it wherever the mood takes us. So if you like that and you want us to do more of these, then let us know. We've got plenty of scope to talk about different things uh, until we can get ourselves back on track again. However, in two weeks' time, which will be our de facto anniversary episode, uh, going out on the 27th of November. Our anniversary is, of course, the 23rd of November, when we started in 2016. Three years ago. Three years ago. My God. Uh, We have something a little bit different and very special for you. This is something that has not been done recently. This is something that was done many, many years ago and has never been heard or seen before in the general public domain. Now I'm saying heard and seen. We've got our episode which is coming up in a couple of weeks time, which as I say is very special. I'm not going to tell you anything about it. You'll just have to wait and see what that entails. But there will be an accompanying video for it, which the plan is to put up on YouTube. As and when that happens, we will link to it on Twitter and on Facebook uh, so that you can go and find it if you want. And I dare say that the, that if we if we can get this sorted out, that you'll hear about it from different sources as well. So there we go, a little teaser for you. This will uh, tide us through till Christmas, this episode, because as I say, it is a bit special and we want to leave it out there as the thing that people can discover for a while. But we will be back for Christmas with a new episode As mentioned, obviously, on the podcast, we are doing Mission to the Unknown. So, there we go. This is um, We did this a while ago, but the plan was, obviously, to to do it so that it matches up to what the University of Lancashire have done. So, that's what we're doing. So, we've got that to look forward to, a brand new improvised episode coming up for Christmas. And, in two weeks' time, our very special episode. So, let's uh, hope to see you in two weeks. Until then, cheerio. Did you hear that? I did. Yes. That's, yeah. That's my Mrs. Sunday. Good job we stopped recording because that's been Mrs. saying there's some food in the uh, to make sure to take that to work. <laughs> if you'd like to get involved with Doctor Who's line is in any way, there's many different ways that you can do so. Obviously, we're always looking for cast members. So if you just fancy having a go, having a go at a bit of improv, the more people we can get involved, the better the chance of actually recording something and therefore producing new episodes for you to listen to. Uh, so you can reach us through Twitter, through Facebook, any one of us you can speak to, myself, Kat, Suki, Robin, Sue, any one of us. Just let, let us know that you're interested and we'll get you in, on board and you can have a go. You can also, if you like, try your hand a bit of editing. 
my new job is taking up a lot of my time and therefore I'm not getting much of an opportunity to do much editing and I can't do much at the moment anyway because all the files are in the ether but if we produce new stuff it would be nice if somebody else would like to have a go at that so you can do that obviously if you fancy producing sound effects music ideas for plots ideas for uh, characters anything like that we'd be more than grateful to receive them and we'll instigate anything that we can for you and of course it always helps to uh, boost our, our ratings boost our public profile if we can get likes and comments on things like iTunes so if you've listened to the podcast and you like what you hear just stick a few stars on it for us just write a little review it would be very much appreciated and if it gets us out there more people hear us more people might be interested in joining in we might get more cast as a result of that keeps the podcast going so any assistance you can give us in that direction would be very much appreciated and as mentioned previously we will be back in a couple of weeks with our next episode so until then cheerio from all of us here on bbc one a very good night good night